This man is single-handedly bringing security and accountability to the car business in an extremely unconventional way. How's he doing it? With car keys, but not in the way you might expect. Today, I'm speaking with Steve Bocum, president of Keeper Systems, a global leader in providing cutting-edge asset control solutions for car dealerships. We discuss the double-digit year-over-year increase of auto theft in showrooms, how the future of car keys will create new challenges in dealership security, why dealers are losing 10000 per year in keys alone, and much more. What's up, everyone? This is Car Dealership Guy. You're listening to the Car Dealership Guy podcast, which is my effort to give you access to the most unbiased and transparent insights into the car market. But before we get into the show, this episode is brought to you by Private Auto, the first transactional marketplace that enables a safe and secure way to buy and sell vehicles privately. Private Auto provides a self-service platform that removes the middleman and uses proprietary banking technology. This allows buyers and sellers to safely complete a private party sale on their own at any time. They've thought of it all identity verification to avoid scams, an e-bill of sale to simplify the paperwork, instant transfer of money between buyers and sellers, and so much more. Learn more at privateauto.com and use code CDG to list your car for free. This episode is also brought to you by Valvoline. You might know Valvoline's the original motor oil. After all, they've been at it since 1866. But to their dealership customers, there's so much more. When you partner with Valvoline, your dealership not only gets access to legendary Valvoline products, but also to their customer business solutions, marketing resources, consumer promotions, and other programs that go beyond the traditional supplier partnership. Valvoline can help you drive your service department by streamlining operations and increasing revenue with hands-on technician and sales advisor training state-of-the-art service lane technology, and a robust preventative maintenance chemical program. They even have programs to help you sell more cars and increase trade-ins. What other fixed ops vendor can say that? So what's all this mean for you? Fewer vendors, more value, and a brand your customers know and trust. Valvoline's reinventing how supplier partners with the dealership. For more information about how Valvoline can become your ultimate fixed ops partner, visit partner.valvoline.com or click the link in the show notes below. I did play baseball in college. I got drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays. They pretty much had me all over the free world. I played in multiple cities throughout Canada. Did not make it to the big league, so I wasn't that good. But it was a great experience, and Toronto was really good back then. They had uh, Bobby Cox as their manager and John Shearholtz as the general manager. Went to a couple World Series without me, but uh, they were really good. But it was a great experience for me, and, you know, really and truthfully, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I can, I can only imagine. What brought you to the auto industry? You know, when I got finished playing baseball and came back to Charlotte, obviously I needed a job. I was married, started having a family, so I definitely needed a job. And I went to work for a brief stint with Hendrick, same Hendrick that owns the automotive business. He has a sportswear division, so I went to work for them, found out I really had a good knack for sales and creating relationships. But I did so well in that business, they decided to get rid of me. I was kind of making a lot of money with them. And so once they decided to get rid of me, I had several friends in the automotive business and I had never been in the automotive business. And they all seemed to have the same problem, you know, keeping up with keys, knowing who took the keys, you know, where are the keys, we're losing keys, we're losing sales, we're losing cars. You know, so we kind of set out to come up with a solution for that. And so partnered with them to, to come up with the idea for our first product. And, you know, so they say the, the rest is kind of history. We did create a product that was really simple to use, very affordable. And that's what we launched. Did you have any engineering background when you decided you're going to build a solution for key management? So my father has an unbelievable engineering background. And so 
I came to him and said, hey, here's what we're thinking. Can you help us with that? And he was like, yeah, this is easy. We can make something. So we set out to make some prototypes. We were able to get our first patents. We were able to do some voice of customers, show dealers what we were thinking about. And quite honestly, they were so hungry for a solution that that they they loved everything we made. And that's kind of how we got started. Yeah. I'll tell you soon about my first experience with the key machine. First time I came across it, I was like, what the hell is this contraption? (laughs) But I like to say riches are in the niches. I mean, talk about fulfilling a small need. When was that point for you that you said, wow, this is a big problem that I want to solve? Do you have that spark? Yeah. So we launched in Charlotte and I don't know how much you know about Charlotte, but we have what we call Independence Boulevard, which is kind of like a motor mile. And just on Independence Boulevard, there's got to be 100 dealerships, big, small, you know, all sizes. And as we took our first product and started showing it and selling it to them, they flipped. And we were hearing the same thing from everybody. You got to go to NADA. You got to go to NADA. NADA being the dealer convention back. It's still today, but back then. Absolutely. 30 years later, it's still around, still going strong, still a good show. And so we did some research and found out the first NADA was going to be in Atlanta, which it hadn't been back to Atlanta since. Back then it was four days versus three days now. But so we got a small booth, a 10 by 10. That was really all we could afford. I mean, you got to remember when we started this company, I was employee number one. We didn't have much of a budget. And so we, we started with a 10 by 10 booth in Atlanta, which was all we could afford. We had a crappy location, which that's just what happens when you're a newbie to the show. But I will tell you, first day, we closed about 78 stores the first day. I mean, I had never been so excited in my life. (laughs) We knew then we had something because, I mean, you're talking about biggest players in the industry. You know, back then, what is now AutoNation, Lithia, Penske, I mean, some of the big players and doing business with us right there on the spot at the show. So it was it was a huge buzz. And quite honestly, we weren't ready for that. We had to go back home to Charlotte and say, okay, look, we really now what? <laughs> next, you know, so was, that's kind of what happened. How did you finance? How did you, like the entire business, where'd you get the funding? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I, I had a little money, so I put pretty much every nickel I had. I did take on a few investors early on that really got excited and wanted to be in the business. I mean, honestly, when we started, I spent most of my days going back and forth to Office Depot. We needed paper clips, staples, paper. I mean, we really, when you hear people say, you know, I started from nothing or I started from a shoestring, we really started from nothing. I mean, we were in my garage for a year. But anyway, I I got some investors that really had some avenues for potential distribution and sales and partnerships. And so that's kind of how we got started. But we just kind of created some investors. I can only imagine. Was that convention the moment where you said this company is going to make it? Did you have that kind of gut feeling or what did it happen before that? Like, what's your thoughts on that? I had the feeling we really had something and basically our job was going to be don't screw it up. You know, and and then not only that, one thing that was really interesting, we were so busy. I had other players in the industry coming to me and saying, hey, man, we want to be involved with you. What's next for you guys? What are you thinking? How are you going to go to market? You know, so we had a lot of people coming at us from different angles. I mean, you got to remember back then, if you were a dealer in the late 80s, early 90s, you either had a hook board or you had lock boxes on the on the side glass. 
What's the difference? Give us the definitions here. So a hook board is you just hang the keys on a hook. Anybody can take any key. Nobody knows who took them. Nobody knows when they brought them back. I mean, it's kind of disorganized chaos. It really doesn't do much for you. And with log boxes, it was the same thing. You could go take a key. Nobody knows who had it. Nobody knows if they brought it back. And what we created really created the first accountability in the automotive world. So we knew who took the key. We knew if you brought it back. You know, we knew everything. So it made the salespeople accountable. And it was just a good price, a good product, and a good fit. I mean, I don't want to break it to you, Steve, but I think that still happens today at lots of dealerships around America. (laughs) Walk me through just the, I love tech and I'm trying to understand it's, you're talking 30 something years ago when you started this, right? We didn't even have cell phones back then, let alone the internet. How did you actually do this 35 years ago? So what we did is we created what we called an access key for each sales guy. So if he needed a key, he would come up to our system, put in his access key, turn it, and it would release the key to the that he needed. At that point, it retained his access peg, identifying who took that key. So we knew who took it. It stayed locked in that board until he brought his key back. So it, it did provide visual accountability. And, and, and here's what happened. When a sales guy left with a key to a vehicle and he knew that the ownership, the general manager, whoever knew that he had that key, that made him responsible. That made him accountable. And believe it or not, that fixed the majority of the key control problems at a very affordable price. When it comes to the actual cost of the keys, because again, today we have all this fancy stuff in cars and you know all these gadgets, but a part of me thinks that you had this insight so long ago when keys were simpler. And so did you have the conviction even back then that the economics would make sense, right? If, if a key costs today $500, $1,000, you know, at the dealer for a brand new smart key, it's in some cases, I get it, right? But I'd have to imagine just things were much more simpler back then. The cars were simpler. And so how did you have that conviction even that the economics here would make sense for dealers? I mean, do I want to invest in a key machine or am I better off just losing a couple of keys here and there and ordering a new one, right? What was that thought process for you? Yeah, uh, so here's what we learned really quickly. If you can't find the key, then you could potentially lose a sale because nobody's going to wait out on the lot while you go look for a key. In this day and age, I mean, I'll give you an example. Here in Charlotte, there's probably three or four Honda dealerships, three or four Toyota dealerships, three or four Chevy and Ford dealerships. If you can't find that key ASAP, they're going to go right down the street and buy from somebody else. So getting the the customer in the car with a key as quick as possible just creates sales. And so that's what we did. And, And then again, if you can't find the key and it's left laying on a desk or it's left in the ignition, then that car could get stolen too. So the ROI was really, quite honestly, a no-brainer for car dealers. I mean, what we were charging them back then was just a few thousand dollars. And if that prevented you from losing, you know, one sell a month, one sell a year, I mean, it paid for itself. It, it was kind of a no-brainer, to be honest. Do you think opportunities like this exist today? And when I say like this, I mean finding this uh, some niche in the car business and coming up with a solution that involves hardware. Right. It's, it's something that's very unique. I read yesterday, I think it was yesterday or the other day, that RoboTire, which is, I don't know if you saw that, there's a press release that they're declaring bankruptcy or they're going out of business. RoboTire is a robotic tire replacement for service 
facilities in the car business, right? I was actually pretty shocked because it seemed like such a good practical solution that actually worked. And so it just makes me wonder, like, do you feel like there's still opportunities like this for anyone that's interested in entrepreneurship or for bringing innovation to the industry? I mean, there has to be, because if you look, like you said, at where we started with what we do for key control now, I mean, then versus what we do now, it's unbelievable. I mean, like you said, I mean, everything we had back in the day was mechanical. Now we have built-in biometrics, built-in touchscreens, automated reports that come out through email, text message. We have our own mobile app. I mean, it's just amazing the food of technology that we've incorporated into a key system. And, you know, let's face it, at some point, keys may go away. And so if Keeper doesn't, you know, kind of keep our eye on the prize and keep trying to innovate, I mean, our saying in this building is innovate or die. So we're constantly looking at what's next for the dealership world. And, you know, we're not the long ranger. So, you know, everybody else is looking at looking as well. But I still think the, you know, because you got EVs and the direct OEM to the customer model that's going on. Things are changing in the pre-owned world with Carvana and CarMax and everybody else. I mean, as things change, there are going to be opportunities. It's just who's smart enough to come out with the next niche or the next gadget that they can. Yeah, but I do think they're, you know, a good entrepreneur can do well. I think you just blew my mind when you said that because I didn't even think about that. Keys may go away. How do you think about that? I mean, how do you hedge against that? How do you innovate to your point? Well, again, so what we do is, is so I'll give you some examples. Right now, a lot of the EVs, are using what I call a non-key. So it's some kind of credential. It's a prox card, it's a bracelet, it's a remote. You know, you can activate and do things with your car, with your cell phone. So what we've done, because we're controlling that key database, we're thinking, hey, if it's an electronic credential, maybe it's encrypted, maybe it's an encrypted code, we can probably still maintain that in a database. Because let's face it, let's say cars right now go to all cell phone technology. Well, you still got to demo the car. You still got to sell and transfer the car. You still got to potentially loan the car as a customer. Then the customer has to resell the car. So there's going to be a transfer of that credential. And so the way we look at it is, can we be involved from a software standpoint to help the dealer control and manipulate that credential in the sales cycle until he transfers it to the customer. So we want to be involved in that. So we're we're involved in a few consortiums where we're looking at that. I'm not saying it's a slam dunk that we would be involved in that, but we are the industry leader in key control worldwide. I mean, we're selling key systems all over the world in some of the largest groups in the world. So we keep an eye on what's going on in Europe and the rest of the world. You know, obviously, we keep an eye on what goes on here in North America. But but yeah, we need to try to be involved in that. I mean, my big boss, I mean, I don't know how much you know about ISA Abloy, but they own us. I mean, they're fit. Uh, I, I was going to get to that question about why you sold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're huge. So my boss is constantly asking me, hey, Steve, what are you going to do when keys go away? And and I need a good answer for that. So, so we constantly challenge our teams internally to, again, let's innovate. Let's see what's next. Think outside the box and see what we can come up with. Speaking of keys going away and innovation, what do you think is the practical next step for your company or in general, just keys in this business, right? Do you think it's, I'm going to go and it's going to be something biometric? Is it going to scan my retina or is it going to just be on my smartphone and it's going to detect my phone next to the car? Like, what do you think is the practical next step? Well, one thing that's a little bit encouraging to us 
as far as a you know still having a physical key is people like tesla still have a key rivian still has a key lucid still has a key you know a lot of your evs that are real progressive they still have some form of credential and 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 we're doing business with all of the evs we're doing you know some form of business with all those guys and what we're doing is we're adapting to whatever credential you know they have so we're selling pouches where we can control the pouch out of the pouch is the card the key the, the wristband, you know, whatever they're using, they all seem to be using something different. But that physical credential in the foreseeable future just doesn't seem to be going away. So keepers still involved. And, and I guess that's a good thing. But again, we still want to be ready if it does go all sailor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think of it almost like cash versus a credit card, right? Like you still need cash no matter what. I still carry cash. I mean, you just never know. You're, you know, your phone might be dead. Even if it's like something biometric or something, who knows, it might malfunction, the car's battery might die. I mean, I don't know. So I think that's what I just think of with with my investor hat on. That's sort of what comes to mind. 100%. How do you spend these last 35 years in the same position, meaning same position as CEO of the company and maintain a culture of innovation? I don't have the attention span to do the same thing for three and a half days. So, <laughs> so I understand what is your process to, to continue doing this, bring life. And I say that also because, again, the way you started this business and you, you spoke about the technology, it's way different than it is today where you have just fancy code, internet, blah, 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 blah. So what has that journey been like for you? Listen, I was an athlete, so I was a competitor. So I like competing. I like winning. I think everybody loves that. But to be honest, over the last 30 years, we've just instilled a culture that says, hey, we're not perfect. We're going to screw up. When we screw up, make it right. Let's How does that play out in the day-to-day? What is it like working under Steve? Well, I mean, I mean, so my big job is, number one, to run day-to-day operations and make sure the boat doesn't crash into the rocks. I mean, so, but I am involved in, you know, all of our corporate client meetings, do most of our trade shows, you know, so I'm involved. But again, they know from me that if you don't have a degree and GSD, then you probably can't work here. And that's get, you know, what done. We say get stuff done. I mean, I even that. though we're owned by <laughs> 50,000 plus employee company, we still run the division of keeper like a lean, mean, you know, machine. And we want to get stuff done. We want to get products to market. We want to develop IP and technology. And we just want to be real responsive to the customer. I mean, we really look at selling key control just like a dealer looks at selling a car. If you sell a guy a car, you sold it to him for life. So you, you better be prepared to warranty it. You better be prepared to service it. If something goes wrong, it's out of everybody's control. You still have to make it right. And we look at it the same way in the key control industry. I mean, if we screw up, we're going to make it right. I mean, there's a lot of competitors we have that can sell you a key system. I think our biggest advantage is just what do we do when we screw up and we make it right. So we stand behind the product. And and in this day and age, believe it or not, those kind of old ideals, you don't see that much anymore. So everybody in this building knows I very much agree with you on that. I was just thinking that as you were, as you were speaking, just, just the basics. It's so important to do them well. So before we get into why you sold and all that interesting information, just give us the brass tacks here, right? What is the, your, today, like your key machine, what does it do? How much does it cost? Give us the full details. So really what we're doing, we're controlling the key in all aspects of the dealership. It could be new keys, pre-owned keys, service keys, get ready keys, prep center keys, 
we have the ability to network all of our systems on, on, a, on a footprint or multiple footprints. So as the key moves from get ready to service to sales, whatever, we can track that key. I mean, so we have some dealerships that'll buy a system for every aspect of their business. We have some dealership groups that'll just buy just for the new keys. You know, so it depends. But again, we're here to sell them whatever they think they need and wherever their problems may exist. And from what we hear from voice of customer, 11 grand to a dealership is, I'm not going to say that's peanuts, but when you look at the potential of lost cars, lost keys, lost sales, believe it or not, that ROI is less than a year. And again, that's one thing that's really changed in the industry. In the late 80s, early 90s, when I would go talk to dealers, they would not tell you how many keys they were losing. Number one, I'm not sure they knew, but number two, they didn't want to admit it. And so they were kind of guarded in that aspect. But I will tell you nowadays, oh, they'll tell you. If a guy don't have a key system and you go in and talk to him, he goes, oh, yeah, I'm losing a couple thousand dollars a month. Uh, get me a system. We have people walk in our booth at NADA and say, look, I lost 10 grand last year in keys. What's a key system going to cost me? I'm ready to do business. And so NADA has still been crazy exciting for us and, and a good avenue for us. But, you know, that's kind of what it costs. You know, so it's not crazy expensive. Yeah. I think for anyone that's never seen these machines, they're actually crazy. Again, I go back to the first time I saw one and it's it's an unbelievable contraption that you just feel like you don't expect to see something this sophisticated in a dealership. But it is pretty remarkable how you're really able to, one person inputs their credentials and whatnot, and that key is associated to them. So really, really cool. All right. So the magic question, why did you sell? And when did you sell, by the way? When did you sell? Yeah. So it's been about 10 years ago now. Some of the partners I told you about that I took on early on, they were getting a little older and they were looking to cash out. And, and actually, it was a good opportunity. So our first sale was to private equity. Private equity approached us through a broker. They got it. I mean, they saw the niche that we had created. It, it didn't take them long to look at our financials to go, wow, this is a good business. This is something we could get in. They also saw the opportunity to help us expand, both globally, Canada, Mexico, South America. I mean, so they helped us you know, grow the footprint, become more compliant, so on and so forth. So we sold about 10 years ago to private equity. Their game plan was really, I think, to keep us for, you know, four to five years and then flip us and make some money. I mean, that's how PEs work. But really about three and a half years into it, they came to me and said, hey, Steve, we think now's the time to sell. We think we can do really well. So they put us on the market again. And then lo and behold, Asabloy came along. They bought us about five years ago. And man, it has been really good for Keeper because again, now you get all that horsepower you get that backing. I mean, since they purchased us, we've become ISO certified. We're completely compliant in any avenue, whether it be FCC compliance, our HR compliance. I mean, we're we can sell anywhere and everywhere in the world. We're ULCE certified. I mean, you name it, we have it. So I, I have I have no idea what those means, but I'm I'm <laughs> nodding it. <laughs> means you're okay to sell in the US and globally. And I mean There we go, baby. You know That's how I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I mean, listen, we're greedy. We want to sell everywhere. And, you know, and another thing. I like your style. I like your style. It's good. Hey, again, like I said, I want to win and we want to win big. So, but 
So ASA has offices and outlets all over the world. So since that acquisition, we've already acquired some of the largest dealer groups in Germany, Scandinavia, obviously the UK. I mean, we're doing business with over a thousand dealerships in the UK. We just gotten a big deal in South Africa, Australia. I oh, mean, wow. So you're, you're really global. Yeah, we're a global company, believe it or not. So uh, it's been it's been a good acquisition by ASA. And, you know, you hear these horror stories about when you get bought by a big company and there's so much, you know, red tape and so much transition. Man, to be 100% honest, they have pretty much left us alone and said, hey, go do you. But we're going to help you become more efficient, more compliant, give you more horsepower and help you grow exponentially. And it has been a great marriage. I mean, I I mean, I would tell you and be honest with you, I thought it was challenging, but it hadn't been. I feel like you usually don't hear this in a general like acquisition, especially like founder led, right? Like you founded the company, this, this sentiment, you just don't you typically hear this. I, I mean, I agree. It's been it's been great. And something I can tell you that we just announced they came to Keeper earlier, well, no, towards the end of last year in December and said, hey, we want to make you a global brand, which means, as you can see on my shirt, they added the Asa Abloy tag to Keeper's tag, our logo. And and really what that means, that means we're now a completely supported brand by Asa Abloy. And what that means that your audience would, would probably understand is that, you know, they're fully behind us. They want to do everything they can to grow us globally, and, and they're supporting us globally. And so a lot of times what they do, they don't support that brand, they just absorb it. But instead of absorbing us, they're gonna support us. And, and man, I mean, that's just huge. There's, I mean, the sky's the limit for that. As you were saying that, something came to mind and I'm thinking, I'm thinking if I'm Steve, who's my biggest competitor? And before you respond to that, I have a thought here, right? Is your biggest competitor today not alternative key machines, rather an Apple AirTag? What do you think about that? I would say both. I mean, you know, obviously we have some competition. There's there's competitors globally. There's competitors here domestically. <laughs> Believe it or not, I think a testament to the job we've done, there's a ton of them have gone away. I mean, in the last 30 years, seriously, there's been over a dozen key machines go away. Over a dozen? At least, at least. Wow. Yeah, so they, people they, have really tried to tackle this this segment. <laughs> well, I mean, they got out there and they they tried to play, you know, in this sandbox, and they found out it was not as easy as they you thought. You can't mess with Steve Bocum. Well, yeah, I mean, we want to <laughs> kick ass and take names. GSD, baby, get shit done. Right, that's right, get it done. But I'm coming to work for you. <laughs> yeah, hey, come on. Yeah, so we've had some competitors come and go, and we're still taking market share as we speak. But you're right. I mean, the technology is probably going to be one of our biggest competitors. It is the cell phone. It is the air tag. So again, we've got to be prepared for that. We're constantly looking at partnerships. Man, listen, if a new technology comes out tomorrow, the first thing we ask is, can that be applied to a key system? I mean, is it facial recognition? Is it tracking? Is it long range Bluetooth tracking? Is it mesh networks? How can I track that key, that car? We look at all of that. And quite honestly, I hadn't seen a lot lately that really excited us. But again, that doesn't mean we don't need to stop looking. So every year at NADA, we have a target list. We go look at new partnerships, potential acquisitions, new technology that we want to meet with at NADA. And that's really kind of my job, too, is as we're going crazy in the booth and selling. My job is to look around for partnerships and new technology. But we're looking and, and you're right, it's coming. 
I think you said something beautiful earlier, which is that, and the way I see it is like, you're not a key company. You're an accountability company. And a key machine just happens to be the manifestation. Yeah, I mean, holding people accountable, knowing who took the key last. And, and something beautiful that we've created with our newer systems is that system runs by itself. So if you're a PM, a sales manager, a dealer principal, that machine can live all by itself and you don't really have to manage it. So people come and get keys, they go demo cars, they go sell cars. That machine did not need management because what we do is if any alarming or alerting or reporting needs to happen, we automate all that. So if a key's out too long, if a guy tries to take too many keys, if a guy didn't return a key, we send that out immediately in the form of an email, a text message. So we really want the accountability, obviously, but we really want dealership management to not mess with the keys at all. We want to handle that. And so that takes some of the job off of management and they love that. So it's standalone. But that's incredible. I mean, you are an accountability company and you're finding ways to instill accountability. And this is, this is the way. And I think that's super smart. I have to imagine you have some interesting insight into like thefts at dealerships or are there any trends? I mean, what insights can you share with us? Where do you see the most thefts or give us some interesting insight? Well, okay. So again, we have our own sales force all over North America, all over the world. And something that I'm sure your audience knows, theft is at an all-time high. So vehicle theft at the dealership, number one, it's always been high, but it's even higher now. And, and it goes up exponentially. I mean, we've had years over the last five years where dealership vehicle theft has gone up double-digit percentages. So it's, it's high. It's probably worse in the metro areas. I mean, just in your metro areas, what's going on is, you know, bless the hearts of law enforcement. They can't be everywhere. And dealerships are notorious for alarms going off, alerts going off, and, and they're unfounded. So the police have kind of stopped showing up. And that lets crooks go steal whatever they want to steal. So it's, it's really, really high. And quite honestly, that's what created our latest partnership. So we, we partnered with a company called Iditer. And Aditor is an amazing product. It's basically an all-in-one camera deterrent system that has a built-in camera, built-in motion detection, built-in flashing red and blue lights, built-in LED lights, built-in siren, built-in bidirectional <laughs> communication. It's like Mission Impossible. <laughs> I mean, this thing is amazing. It's all built into one module. It's very affordable. It has first-in-class monitoring. And, and I mean, so we just launched it last year at NADA, and we got great traction with it in 2023. I mean, basically, when we showed it to dealers and dealer groups, they bought it. We just have really eased into it, but we're going crazy with it in 2024. We've got at least two or three demo stations in our booth at NADA this year where a dealer can come by and see it in action, touch it, feel it. I think we've got eight or 10 of our key systems in the booth this year again, so they can touch it and feel it. But man, this auditor has been incredible because the feedback and voice of customer we're getting from the dealers, it, it's really, it's incredible because they're coming back and they're saying, Steve, we didn't realize, you know, we have deer coming on the lot at night. We didn't know. We have people sleeping, homeless people sleeping on our lot at night. We didn't know. You know, we didn't know we had somebody coming on our lot every night, pulling door handles. You know, they're looking to steal cars. And, and in this day and age, it's not just cars. They're stealing catalytic converters. We'll hire these, you know, these nice new GMC tailgates. 
I mean, those things are three or four grand and they get gone. So really, you know, anything that's not nailed down, it can be stolen. So you need some for And then these are the reasons for a deterrent system and a camera system and a key system. So for us, the iDeter partnership just really went hand in hand with what Keeper does. So again, like you said earlier, it's all about accountability, but it's also about security. So uh, it's a big topic right now. It's incredibly well said. And I think that's definitely the way that I sort of summed this up. It's accountability and security, but you are delivering that. And I think you're doing a great job at it. Steve Bocom, this has been super, super interesting. For anyone in the audience, if anyone wants to learn more about Keeper, keepersystems.com, of course, the link will be in the show notes below. I also want to ask you one final question. Hopefully you have some juicy story for us here, but any, any crazy stories, any crazy theft stories from your experience? There has to be something that was just so crazy throughout your entire 35 years of experience. Give it to us. Probably one of the craziest stories I ever saw is we walked into a dealership and his level of key loss was so crazy. I mean, it was over five grand a month. He basically contracted with a local locksmith and said, hey, I need you on call 24 seven. Because if we need a key, we need to make that key immediately so we can go sell the car. I mean, so when we saw that level of problem, I mean, we couldn't believe it. But but again, it was just crazy that somebody had that level, you know, of theft. That, so that was probably the craziest key loss. Well, probably the other one I remember is we went to a dealership one time and we got called out to a large Ford store. And basically, he was having the key, the, the dealership re-roofed. So he's putting a new roof on the dealership. Well, the roofing guy comes down from the dealership, and he's got a five-gallon bucket full of keys. Wow. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Whoa. How did the keys get on top of the dealership? And basically, what was going on is when he would fire salespeople or transition out of salespeople, they would take the keys and throw them up on the roof. If customers wow. couldn't find their sales guy when they were the vehicle, <laughs> They would throw them up. Long story short, this guy had a bucket of keys on top of his roof that those cars had been sold over the last 20 years. So just crazy stories. I love to hear it. Steve Bocom, thanks so much for coming on. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, learn more about Keeper other than go to the website, can you share your email or how can they contact you? Sure. The best place to get in touch with Keeper is sales at keepersystems.com. You know, obviously then go to the website, which is keepersystems.com. We actually have a, a link on our website as well that, that basically depicts CDG, so car dealership guy that they can click on, fill out a form that actually gets you a discount for mentioning car dealership guy. So we're, we're running that as a promo. But yeah, it's been great. Incredible work, Steve. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. All right. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Please give the podcast a rating. Consider subscribing to the show and check the show notes for links to what we talked about. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you guys next time.